0: Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. It's Christmas with the Cousins. Justin here, along with Derek and Tyler. Cousin Patrick is back and joining us as well. Welcome,
1: Patrick. Who are you people again? <laughs> well, welcome. we got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back on the Cuzcast. It's uh, been a while. Uh, I'm glad to see you guys are still keeping the ship going and. Congratulations on the huskerhype.com uh, pickup uh, and looking forward to many, many more episodes listening to you guys. Well, so it's good. To- Appreciate it. Well, we got a lot to cover tonight, Patrick, but first, it's been a
0: while since you've been on. So give us a, your quick thoughts on this past season.
1: Uh, California Inferno, anyone? Uh, no, I guess that's too early. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say this. It, I, I can sum it up in basically two ways. Uh, the Northern Illinois loss was devastating, and the second half of Wisconsin was like a microcosm of this entire season, in which we got manhandled, outmatched, outstrategized, out everything. And I, and to sum it up, I pretty much fell asleep in the second half of the season and slept as soundly as I've ever slept during a football game. Uh, (laughs) Would have been nice if you could have hibernated, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, I got, you know, I got facial hair. I could probably pass for a bear. But um, (laughs) I'm looking forward to what Scott Frost is bringing to the Huskers next year. And uh, honestly, I can't wait.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But now, you know, the three-day early signing period for recruiting, it's now finished. Uh, We'll see how February pans out. But so far, what do you think of the new changes to recruiting? Do you like the early signing period? Do you hate it? Indifferent? What do you think, Derek?
2: I'm completely indifferent on this. It really doesn't (laughs) make a difference to me. Uh, The the one bad side to it was I think it took a lot of the uh, extra oomph of the February signing day that used to be so exciting. Now you're spreading it over three days, so I think it takes a little bit of the glamour away. Uh, At the end of the day, I don't know if it really changes much. You're going to get your guys – that you were going to probably get in February, they're maybe a little less dramatic, I guess, which makes it fun again. So I, it was a little
3: anticlimactic, I guess. Yeah, Tyler. You know, Derek, I completely agree with you. It, it was so anti. It's going to make this so anticlimactic. The 101 top prospects from 24/7, only 33 remain unsigned. Um, you know, I, I, think this completely changes the strategy of coaches. It, it, it the emphasis on, you know, late change and recruiting, uh, drastically changes, you know, we used to see these January visits, official visits. Those are going to be mostly gone, but for the Huskers specifically though, there are still a lot out there. Scott Frost has offered 58 people since taking over at Nebraska, 25 of those players still are unsigned. So he still has a lot of opportunity to add some people that he has had value on in this recruiting class.
0: Patrick, what do you think?
1: What, what, I would argue, though, that we would see like a diminishment of surprises and 180 changes from recruits. Like, oh, I want to go here instead. I mean, it forces them to make a commitment, which is good. Because that was uh, that's uh, that was always the drawback with just having one signing period is that that recruit could switch at any time and play games with any coaches he wants and flip as many hats as he wants. I mean, it finally comes down to a commitment. Like, are you in or are you out? I think it's a good thing, frankly.
0: Is three days really needed, though? I, I can't get over the fact that there's three days for this early signing period. I, it's,
2: it because obviously they, didn't do any good. I mean, we signed most of our players on them. the first day. The other two were Juco's that we signed later on, but those Juco's yeah. had two weeks to sign anyway, regardless of whether there had been that
3: three-day sign period or not. Tell her. I mean, you know, I think there's something more special about a one-day, you know, everyone signs. I think it makes it better from a work standpoint. <laughs> 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 productivity said, uh, none happens <laughs> di- dies down a little bit but yeah, yeah just i'm with you i don't really get the point of a three-day st- signing period um but i will say though like you saw justin mcgriff who signed with nebraska on that friday you know th- it is kind of special when you can spread it out and maybe not have as, quite as many people um committing on the same day maybe give some of these kids a little bit more spotlight throughout the process
1: right oh patrick But I do think that it kind of takes away the circus atmosphere, which I think is good because before it just got way out of hand where you had high school, you know, hot shots coming out and thinking that they were going to take over, you know, take over the college ranks. And it doesn't work like that. I mean, you're still a kid and we have to still treat these people like they're kids. Right. Derek.
2: Doesn't the uh, circus act make it that much more entertaining, though? It makes you want to pay attention to recruiting a little bit for
1: more. The kid, I know, but is it beneficial for the kid? I'm th- I'm talking about the kid here because right now they when, don't. When is the NCAA they cared
2: about the kid? Kind
1: of, they can't afford to have that circus kind of a- attitude. They're not yeah. in a place to do that. They're not getting paid for one thing.
2: True. When does the NCAA ever cared about the high school kid? As long as they keep letting <laughs> eighth graders get scholarship offers. I don't think the NCAA gives two rat two shits about that. Wow. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, that's a, that's a topic that could uh, take a while to get, to uh, finish up. But uh, <clears throat> let's, let's move on here. Uh, let's talk about the transfer rules in the NCAA now. Uh, a couple of stories have arisen recently. Uh, one at Western Illinois where the head coach left to be an assistant coach at Arizona State the day after signing day. Then there's another story with that whole mess at Ole Miss and the sanctions and poaching of its players, potentially. Tyler, what's going on
3: here? Well, you know, it's this year, more than maybe years in the past, it's kind of an interesting situation with the transfer rules. Um, You you mentioned the Ole Miss situation. That's the front and center right now in college football. Um, For people that don't know, Shea Patterson, who was the number one high school quarterback in 2015, um, has transferred to Michigan. Um, under the assumption that he is going to get released of his scholarship and allowed to transfer because of the whole Ole Miss scandal. And I guess the question I have for you guys is, right now in the NCAA, the the transfer rules are, if you transfer to a school without being a graduate, you have to sit out a year. Um, So with all the coaching firings and changes with Oregon, FSU, do you think, A... That should be taken into consideration. Some of these kids should be let out of scholarships. And B, specifically in the case of Ole Miss players, do you think that since their school is a scandal and they have all these probation, do you think they should be allowed out of their uh, scholarships? Justin,
0: I, I can see where you're coming from here. There's, uh, it, it's really, it gets really tricky in the eyes of the NCAA making all these exceptions. You know, there's sometimes where it's like it just seems it's. Uh, Cut and dry, like uh, Willie Taggart at Oregon. He's there for one year, recruits, and then he bolts for Florida State. Those players shouldn't have to stick around for whatever comes after that. Uh, All these other coaches that just get up and leave. Uh, Western Illinois, the one that I brought out in the example. Fortunately, Western Illinois, they released all of the recruits that signed underneath there. But when coaches leave like that, I think there should be... uh, Maybe maybe the recruits should be able to uh, get out of scot free. I don't know about the sanctions though. Uh, I guess I'm not too caught up, uh, too familiar with what sanctions were going on at Ole Miss during this time. But if they're recruiting violations, those recruits they're already there. I mean that's why they're on uh, sanctions, I guess. But there's there's no easy answer, I guess, Derek.
2: So my question for you, Justin, is you talk about like Willie Taggart comes in for one year and leaves to go to FSU. Which players should be allowed to transfer and which players should be allowed to be released as he's only had one recruiting class? Is it just the ones that he recruited? Or do you, I guess or, in or this do you scenario, go two years prior?
0: Well, but that's that's probably why the NCAA will never tackle this situation because there's there's so much gray area in everything in this Nor scenario. They. Think,
2: they're, 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 yeah. they would just turn college football into a free agency game that I think would hurt college football overall.
0: Boom. Lots, of, lots you, of fine print to read, you know, whether with the transfer well, rules, because it but, does get complicated.
3: But the, let's just say this, and, and this is obviously we're very biased and we don't want to see our kids transfer, but, you know, you have some of these kids who came to Nebraska to play for Mike Riley. Or in the case of Florida State, you had many recruiting classes come play for Jimbo Fisher. And his system, his style. And now all of a sudden, their potential dreams of the NFL or whatever they wanted to accomplish go down by the wayside. And and I again, Derek, I'm kind of with you in the sense that I, I don't want to see it um, from a entertainment value of college football but there is a part of me that says it's not fair that coaches have no penalty to sit out the schools pay for the buyouts so the schools pay for this but the kids are the ones who commit uh under a system and the coach get fired or leave um without it and in the case specifically of Ole Miss though that's where I draw the line they they should not get an exception because this has been a scandal we've been talking about Ole Miss you know, potentially getting sanctioned for three years, that would be a kid, like a kid committing to Baylor and <laughs> oh. and being like, Oh wait, there's a scandal here. I didn't know that. <laughs> so How, everyone know has been known that Ole Miss is something is going to happen. So I feel no sympathy for these kids in That's that true. situation. Patrick, get in here.
1: All right. You mentioned the NCAA and the fine print, Justin, isn't that their job? I mean, don't aren't they the ones that are supposed to regulate this? And and I know I know they haven't done a good job in the past, but at some point they have to. They have to set some ground rules here as far as you know, who can transfer and who can't. Otherwise you're gonna have chaos. And for better or for worse, the NCAA is the institution that determines that. I agree. I agree that they have to control
0: it. It can't be the Wild West out there. It can't be the free agency like what Derek's talking about. But, you know, Tyler, when you're talking about this, you know, with the Husker aspect, you didn't say it, but I'm guessing you're kind of leaning towards like uh, Tanner Lee situation. Where does Tanner Lee fall into the whole uh, situation with about transferring, right?
3: Or Him, definitely. Um, Patrick O'Brien, Tristan Gebbia. Um, you know, both of those kids came to play under a pro style offense and, you know, I want them to say, and I think they can all three of those guys, I think can thrive under frost, but if they, they really want to play under a pro style offense and that's what they signed up for. They moved from their families to come here to play under this. I just, you know, there's a little bit of me that my heart breaks and, you know, you saw a lot of this on Twitter, the access, like in case of Oregon, like I mean, they were out recruiting and talking to these guys, and they had committed there. It's just it, – it's kind of a racket in that situation. Bully Taggart flat-out lied
0: to those recruits. <laughs> he flat-out lied. He did. He, he okay. lied to the media. He's like, you know, I'm the head like coach at – unusual, Yeah.
3: Though.
0: yeah. Uh, Derek.
2: Well, okay. First off, one thing you have to remember, too, the coaching carousel is not a new game. This, this has been happening for all of time. I mean, coaches change positions. Coaches change schools. Coaches get better job offers. They move on. This happens. I mean, it's, it's so I, I don't necessarily feel bad for the kids. This is just more reason the kids should find a university that they can commit to, the university itself, and not just the coaches. For one, but, for 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 two, to go back to, uh, the other thing is, is with Tanner Lee and Tristan Jibia. And Patrick O'Brien, they have loopholes on this. You don't necessarily have to sit out a year. You can go down to a junior college and play for a year and then go play for another school. So you don't necessarily have to transfer to a different school and sit out a year. There is loopholes that so well, you can play.
0: Well, i not Tanner, sure if Tanner Lee. Yeah. Well, Tanner yeah,
2: you Lee got wouldn't one be able year to enjoy, but, but as far as Jebia okay. and Patrick O'Brien go, Tanner Lee is kind of a shitty situation. There's not much he can do.
0: so well, that's why I was <laughs> bringing Tanner Lee up specifically, because, you know, he...
2: Well, I know, but he had brought up P.O.B. and Jebia too. Sure. That's, and that's what made me think of
3: that. There but, are but loopholes for say, them to do. They don't have to just transfer and sit out of here. But that'd be like if I took a job with a company that's one of the top companies in the field, and it was going to be in the industry that I knew, and I knew I could succeed in, and I moved my family, and did all this stuff, and then a year later, that company's like, yeah, we're we're no longer going to brew beer we're going to make pops or something or that we're going to start making bread or whatever the hell you want an analogy it's completely different and it's not fair to me it's not fair to these kids that say i want to go to nebraska which under mike riley and this is the system and, and let's leave nebraska out of this cuz obviously we you know we think i think we got an upgrade in coach you look at oregon Oregon's the best example of this. I mean, they they went out there, had one of the best recruiting classes in the country last year. A lot of these kids went to play under Willie Taggart. And all of a sudden they are committed to a system that they don't know what the future is gonna hold. Um, you know, they they moved from a lot of these kids moved from California to Oregon. Uh, they may have stayed in state. I mean, there's a lot of factors that went into this. And man, it just it I I, I don't know what I want the change to be. I don't know if there's like a one time out. You get one transfer, no matter what. Um, but you know, I, I just think that there should be something where these kids, the, the scholarship is somewhat tied to the head coach that offers it.
0: The the
2: Oregon yeah. situation is not as complicated, I think, as you're making it. I mean, Crystal Ball was uh, Willie Taggart's offensive coordinator, wasn't he? I thought he was offensive line coach, but yeah, he he was on the staff. But but he's basically going to run the same offense, I would assume. And you got the same defensive coordinator and Jim Levitt or Levitt, however you say his name. So that system is not going to change that dramatically. It's not going to change anywhere near as dramatically as Nebraska's system was, is going to shift.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick, all right. Along the lines of. Uh... Lee and Jebby and O'Brien and their futures, uh, specifically with Lee. How feasible is it for him to pursue the NFL at this? I mean, after the season he had, is is Frost going to be able to grant him like a bounce back season next year? Or? I mean
3: that that that's the debate. I mean, it you know I, I don't know what Lee's going to do. I really don't. I I you know I've heard the NFL scouts would still give the guy a look. But his season probably doesn't warrant him getting drafted. He probably has a shot to sign on a free agent line, or maybe he slides into the seventh round. Um, yeah. But if he stays, I mean, there is no guarantee that he's going to be the starter next year, right? I, I don't. I see mean, everything's going to
1: drastically change. I, I find is, it very yeah, hard just- to
3: imagine him as a starter next year. I think. I think
1: the only one that really. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say I think the only one who really has a shot at having anything in uh, Frost's offense is maybe Gebbia. Uh I, I can't see O'Brien being a factor either. So,
2: I think I think so. O'Brien has better wheels than people giving him credit for. If you watch that, if you watch UCF, their quarterbacks not that overly fast. He's just smart with the ball. And I think mean, I think, I know, I think could do
3: that.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, only he only 500, 500, that's
3: it. I mean, I mean, I mean well, for Nebraska it'd be amazing, but you look at you yeah, think of right. a dual threat quarterback, I mean, 500 yards rushing isn't exactly world-banking. I mean, he he made plays in smart situational ball. I, again, you saw you saw Chip Kelly, which is essentially Frost's offense, go to the NFL and run with guys like Nick Foles. I mean, he, you that system, you can amend to a more in the pocket quarterback. Um, I just we'll see what happens. And Patrick O'Brien had close to, I believe it was close to
2: 900 yards rushing throughout his high school career. I mean, it wasn't one year, but throughout his high school career. So it's not like the kid didn't run in high school.
0: Okay. Well, We have a long off-season to debate all of this. Uh, So we'll come back to that in a later episode. But uh, let's move on. Uh, Let's sneak into our poll question from this week. It had to do with uh, Husker basketball. On Twitter, we asked, Through 14 games, what kind of team is the Nebraska ball team? A no postseason team, an NIT team, or an NCAA tournament team? Derek, what do you think of that?
2: Oh, I don't know. I I voted for the NIT tournament. I, I think they're good enough to at least make one of the two tournaments. I'm just not sure it's quite good enough for the NCAA tournament. So I kind of voted for the NIT tournament. I... They could possibly make the NCAA tournament. I just, I, they're gonna have to really pick it up a little
1: bit more. I think. Patrick, uh, I went with the NCAA. Um, I can't ignore uh, the comments that have come uh, for Tim Miles' team. I can't ignore their athleticism, and I, I just can't ignore the fact that this team really, I think, can only get better and better. But just, just the comments that have come out, Greg McDermott has basically said that this is the best team, uh, that, uh, miles has fielded. Uh, Rick, Richard Petino has, uh, echoed that sentiment. And I think even Izzo said something along those lines, And that, that can't be ignored. And I'm hoping that that, uh, proves true, uh, when they get to the NCAA this year Tyler or next yeah, year.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I, I went with the NCAA. I mean, you know, the first, Part of the season, you know, we had some bad losses, uh, St. John's and Michigan State. But you look at the last couple losses to Creighton and Kansas, we competed in those games. Um, I, I really think that you look at this year, and I think the Big Ten basketball conference is a little bit down this year um, as far as the depth. I think we have a good shot to be the sixth or seventh team in that conference. And it, I, I find it hard to believe the sixth team in the Big Ten gets left out of the tournament how
0: many wins do you think this is that how many wins do you think Nebraska will need to make the NCAA tournament if they're gonna go that way anybody Tyler? um
3: 18 nineteen I mean that that's I mean you might have to get to that 20th but I mean that 18th or 19th is probably in a situation um to get you in Derek. I
2: yeah probably somewhere in there I I don't usually pay attention to the final <laughs> records to get into the NCAA tournament, so I can't answer that really. But I think my problem with this team, to kind of go back to what Tyler was saying, you know, I understand that Creighton and Kansas are really good teams, but my problem with it is, especially like the Kansas game, is a game you probably should have won, and this team needs to learn how to close out a game a little bit better. And until that happens, I, I don't see them being That's why I don't see them being an NCAA tournament.
1: Patrick? I'd say because they came close that it's only a matter of time before they do. Um, and I'll go with a round number. I'll go 20 wins. And I think that uh, they really need to have some quality wins here. Uh, I think away games are going to be critical.
0: I took a look at the remaining schedule that they had, and I had us uh, finish in with 20 wins with an 11-7 and conference record. Uh, I did pick the NIT uh, just because of the getting that 20 wins. However, I would not be shocked if they did make the NCAA tournament. I think it would take a, probably a pretty good showing in the uh, the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. But as, as down as the Big Ten is this year, you know, uh, Tyler, you're saying six or seven teams or be the sixth or seventh team in the Big Ten. I don't think six teams from the Big Ten gets into the tournament this year. Big 10 only has two teams in the top 25 with Michigan State and Purdue. They're not overly strong. You got two other teams that are even just getting votes out there. Michigan and Minnesota. We beat Minnesota, but it's it's a down year for Big 10 uh, basketball. But I will say I am impressed with the competitiveness of, of this team. Uh, this is one of the first years in how long, Derek, have I not been overly critical and, <laughs> of Tim miles and been brutal. So you, you the last time you sound- we made the NCAA sound- tournament. Sagan?
2: Probably since the last time we made the NCAA
1: tournament. Yeah, exactly. Justin, you sound lost and empty. Like you don't know what to do with yourself. Now you don't have miles to ridicule anymore. You know, yeah. I mean,
0: finally it's been a while, but I'm enjoying Nebraska ball, you know? <laughs> it's 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 pretty good. It's entertaining. Tyler, do you have something to add?
3: I, I will say for everyone that's listening, uh, the the worst case scenario is if we're an NIT team. Because it, it'll be really funny listening to Justin rag on miles if we fall the, apart. And <laughs> it'll sure it. as hell be fun to talk about for the rest of us if uh, Nebraska ball thrives and makes the tournament run. So let's, let's hope for entertainment, that one of those two
1: things happen.
0: <laughs> I like entertainment. Uh, yeah. Patrick, one more thing.
1: No, I was just gonna say I'm I'm hoping for the NCAA myself. I think this team is capable of it.
0: All right. Well let's make some bull picks, guys. You guys excited? Oh,
1: Bowls. Yeah. Oh, just, just all right. don't bulls, listen bulls, to me. Let's bowl, let's bowl, let's really bowl.
0: So we're just we're just gonna pick three games, uh, right here. Uh, we're gonna get the playoff games and then we're gonna do a score prediction contest with Central Florida and Auburn. All right, first game. Uh, number three, Georgia, two-point favorites against Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl. Derek.
2: Oklahoma, baby. Got Heisman Trophy winner. I think I think they're good. I think they got them. I think they'll beat Georgia.
0: Tyler.
3: You know, I, I think Baker Mayfield 100% deserved the Heisman. Um, he's the best player in all football this year. Uh, even as off the field antics, but I, I think Georgia's a little bit better team. I think they had two damn impressive victories in beating uh, Auburn and then going on the road and beating Notre Dame. I think that running game with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michael are just a little bit too much for Oklahoma to handle. I, I, think, I think Georgia wins that game.
1: Patrick? Tyler, I like the way you think, but it's a pipe dream. Um, I think that Oklahoma got to go with boomer sooner. Uh, they're more versatile. They're more explosive. All Georgia has for them is chub and non-chub. So, um, boomer sooner all the way.
0: Yeah. I like boomer sooner. Also Baker Mayfield. That guy is just a pure stud. He may be a douche, but he's just a stud on the on the football field. So I'm taking him to take down Georgia, uh, number four Alabama, two and a half point favorites against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. Derek,
2: I think Clemson has too much for Alabama. Alabama didn't play anybody all year. I don't think they belong in the playoff in the beginning. From the beginning, and so I'm going with Clemson on
3: this one. I think they got him.
0: Patrick or uh, Tyler.
3: You know, I think some people are upset that we're seeing this game but because uh, they played the last two national championships. But I'm excited because those were two of the better college football games. And I think this is going to be another classic. I mean, you have two of the best defenses in the country. Clemson is in the top ten in passing defense, total yards allowed, and scoring D. Uh, Alabama has the number one scoring D in the country. Um, at the end, I think I'm going to shock some people, but I'm, I think Alabama with Jalen Hurts is just a little bit too versatile and i think bama wins the game.
1: <laughs> Patrick, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, the thing is is that i don't think nick saban is going to overlook the fact that the college football playoff committee decided to bestow him with a spot. That being said, um Clemson just just got uh, i think a better defense. I think they're i, I think it's going to be uh, uh, both both offenses are pretty versatile. Um, but uh, I think uh, Hertz and uh, Bama are going to go through a world of pain. I'm going with Clemson. Tyler, it surprises me.
0: We, you always pick against Alabama every single time. Yep, and you're wrong. Yep. This time you're taking Alabama and you're gonna be wrong again. So I hope
1: so. <laughs> Besides, it's Saban. You have to hate and deny all his works, which I do. So
0: Yeah, I- I'm going with Clemson in this game. I think Clemson's a better team. Derek, you said it right. Alabama, they just haven't been challenged this year. They're they're still probably not entirely healthy with their linebacking situation. And I would not be surprised if their coordinator uh, leaving for that job at Tennessee is not a factor for that defense. So I got Clemson. Uh, final game score prediction contest here. Uh, number 12, Central Florida versus uh, Tyler's team, Auburn. Uh, minus 10 in the Peach Bowl. Derek.
2: Oh, I'm probably picking a little too much with my heart here, but I think UCF uh, upsets Auburn here. 35-31. 31
0: Nice. Tyler?
3: You know, I, I was really happy with my pick so far because they were the complete opposite of Derek's. But, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go uh, UCF, too. Uh, you know, I, I like the over in this game at 67 points. Scott Frost and that team, they are on a mission to complete this. I think they have a little bit more to play for than uh, Auburn. I got UCF
1: 42 to 41. Ooh, good game. Interesting. Patrick? Uh, I can't, I can't ignore that it's Auburn and I can't ignore. They probably got a better team overall, but I think it's going to be a real battle. Um, I'll say 49, 42 Auburn. Wow. High scoring.
0: I have a high scoring game as well. I have central Florida winning 41 to 38. Yeah, you're right. Tyler, I think Scott Frost and company, they want to close this show out. Right. And they're going to do it against a, SEC team, uh, Oregon or Auburn, they can score a lot of points. So it it's going to be a shootout. Yes, take the over. I love that pick. What was your score prediction speaking again? Forty-one to thirty-eight. Okay, got it. All right. So speaking of lines, uh, let's do a break the bank segment where we pick a game against the spread uh, in this college football season, bowl games, and uh, which is the best game to make some money in? Derek, we're going to start with you.
2: I actually kind of wanted to do uh, the Duke game tonight, but turns out that was tonight, and I can't really do that when we're just played before we do the podcast. So, we went through the rest of the games, and I think the one to go with is Northwestern over uh, over Kentucky. Northwestern, seven Mm. and a half point favorites. I like Northwestern this game. I don't know that Kentucky is going to be able to score much on Northwestern and Kentucky's defense just really isn't that great. Uh,
0: I agree with you for one. uh, Northwestern is nine and one against the spread Uh, Kentucky. They're one and seven against the spread in their last state. Yeah. Northwestern. Great pick Uh, Tyler.
3: You know, last week I mentioned one most, uh, my more, most anticipated games was the Southern Miss Florida State game, and I like that because I think Flor Southern Miss can cover that spread. Uh, the spread right now is 15 points. Florida State, uh, you know, you look at what they did to have to make it to bowl eligibility; they had to beat L.A. Monroe, Dell State, and Florida in the last three games to end up making the bowl. Uh, you know, that they they have not overly thrived. Uh, you know, Justin, you mentioned this, but I think Southern Miss is 10 and four. In the spread in the last 14 games, uh, they play some teams close. Um, I, I think Southern Miss has enough to at least play close, if not, in fact, straight up upset Florida State. I like Southern Miss in that game.
0: I like it too. Uh, Patrick. Uh,
1: right now, it looks like the one that's coming out at me is the Stanford TCU game. I think Cardinal are going to win that game. Uh, I think that the Stanford running back wants to go out on a high note, and I think the Cardinal want to. Uh, Want to go into next season with uh, with uh, with some momentum and yeah, I, I can see. I, I I don't think TCU is that good. I think the Cardinal win that game. I'll go with. I'll, I'll i I say they cover. Tyler, do you agree?
3: Uh no, I don't. I I'm a TCU. <laughs> I've been on their bandwagon all year, um, and, and I'm not. And you might be right, Patrick. Stanford may be a better team, but. Man, I, I, I'm living on that sword with TCU. I, I think that they're a pretty damn good team, and I, I have not given up hope on them yet. Fair enough. The, the problem is I think this is
2: one of the best TCU defenses I've ever watched. They actually play defense this year compared to most Big 12 teams. The other thing is is this might be one of the worst Stanford defensive years that I've seen, and TCU still has that explosive offense. I I think TCU is probably your
3: safest bet in that game. Myself, the problem is, and I will say to give Patrick a little bit of love, is Stanford has a little bit of love and Bryce love. Uh, 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 yeah, he 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 is a game changer. Uh, he may be all around the best back in college football. Um, it's it's hard when he's on the field. It, it it's definitely a different Stanford team.
0: Uh, My number one game was Derek's pick, uh, that Northwestern. I love that game. Uh, By two runner-ups, I had Penn State minus three against Washington. You know, Penn State, they've lost two games by a total of four points against Michigan State and OSU. I like Penn State uh, giving up those three points. I also like Missouri minus three against Texas. Texas, they have a terrible pass defense. Missouri's offense averaging 511 uh, yards a game, passing 312. Texas, their pass defense giving up 258. And also, Missouri 7-1 and one against the spread in their last eight games. Those are my two. Anybody? Comments?
3: My Our recommendation to everyone listening is bet against Justin.
0: <laughs> That's a, that is a very safe bet, <laughs> Patrick.
1: What's your prediction on how Barkley's going to do against that Husky D? Going to tear it up. You're so crazy. 150, 200, or do you not want to go there? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. 150. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't but know.
2: Barkley won't get <laughs> over 100 yards on Wisconsin's or uh, uh, Washington's defense. Really. Yeah, he, he's only had like three 100 plus yards game, uh, rushing games this year.
3: Yeah, he hasn't ran I mean, the one ball us, That
1: doesn't count.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, that's don't bring that up against Nebraska. <laughs>
1: no, please don't.
0: All right, well, let's uh, let's get out of here, Patrick. Thanks for joining us. Any final thoughts?
1: Uh let's hope that. Uh, The frost is coming hard and swift in 2018, and Husker fans, let go, let the frost. He's going to get it done.
0: There it is. All right, Patrick, come back and see us, okay? All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out huskerhype.com for all the latest Husker news. On behalf of Derek, Tyler, and Patrick, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to bring in the new year. We'll see you then, and as always, Go Big Red!